0: To Your Welcome Hollywood, a podcast where Ed, Tom, and Ruben create a brand new screenplay
1: every episode. Some of the ideas are better than others.
0: Welcome to Your Welcome Hollywood with Ed and Ruben. Yeah, it's just the two of us.
1: We can, in case I want to put Tom in post for some reason, just give myself the space. Oh, that would be fun if we
0: just like forced his voice into uh, the show.
1: Got it. You know, if I really wanted to spend the next week working on the episode, I'm sure I could mine enough things that Tom says to just make him be the worst person in the world.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, when you talk into a mic for long enough, like there's going to be enough stuff for someone to cut together like a super cut of every terrible thing you could possibly say.
1: Yeah, it's like who knew that Tom was this racist? Well, not us, not us, but we figured it out pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: well, thank you for coming uh, to you Rock My Hollywood. Ordinarily, this is our podcast where we um, make up a movie based on suggestions from you guys. However, uh, Tom's gone this week. He's going to be gone for a few weeks. We'll get back to movies, but uh, we figured tonight we would take an, uh, an opportunity to do something we thought was really fun last time, which is just a like silly Q and A session um, about the podcast, about ourselves, about whatever it is we feel like talking about. Uh, for an hour or so and then we'll get out of your hair
1: yeah and not that we'll be doing this for the whole time uh just this week we were just like oh we didn't really <laughs> we for- kind of forgot so we're like we Let's forgot tom wasn't gonna
0: be here we didn't get a guest we didn't know who had an audio setup that was good enough to record a podcast so we we basically we messed. we beefed yeah we, we beefed we we what was the uh, we cracked our beef to quote an earlier episode.
1: Yeah, so we cracked our beef. Yeah, we um, cracked our beef pretty hard. But what you get for that is a little Q&A. So, yeah, um, we're going to pull questions. back
0: the curtains on this podcast. We're going to spread them open just a little bit. Oh. Get in there.
1: <laughs> Gross. I already hate this episode. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs>
0: Um, but so we, we got a bunch of questions from some friends and fans, but if you also want to, um, we're on Twitch right now. So if you want to put a question in the Twitch chat, then we will be checking that as well mm-hmm. to, uh, to talk about it. So, um, I'm, I'm going to skip straight to questions. Cause like, you know, you know what I'm getting really sick of is every podcast starting with the, like, so how are you doing this week?
1: Oh, I don't uh, give a fuck about how you're doing. Yeah,
0: no, <laughs> I, I have can... no concern for your well being whatsoever. So like, why would I even, why would I even check?
1: Yeah, no, I don't care. Mm-mm, no, I assume you're out. doing fine. If you were doing terrible, you would tell me. Get it out of here. So uh, I'm going to start with the
0: uh, the most uh, simple question that I've that I've seen come in, which is just what inspired you to do a podcast, and how did you come mm. up with the idea to do a movie podcast? Mm, interesting. I mean, it, the funny. So, we, like, we decided to do podcasts in 2008 i think like was that when we were doing super basement yeah so we started with a podcast called welcome to super basement which we've we've posted a few of those on the you're welcome hollywood stream if you uh haven't heard them they're in the podcast archive somewhere yes. it was a like heavily produced radio play uh that was like largely inspired by um a show called a beautiful podcast uh, mm-hmm. which was made by the sunday service in vancouver and uh, it was this super produced audio play where Ruben, Tom, and I owned a, like, Pee Wee's Playhouse type underground facility where, like, you could find a room with anything in it.
1: Yeah, it was just to give us a, uh, a conceit to do episodes about literally anything. Um, and it was... Uh- It was funny. It was good. It was just... It was like hours and hours and hours of work for Ed in post-production. Yeah,
0: and I mean, recording it even took a while because we would do a lot of takes and stuff rather than just like blasting through it. Um, And yeah, there was a lot of post-production. There was a lot of like voice octave changing and stuff to make characters sound
1: different because it was just three of us. We recorded improvised rap songs a few times. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because it definitely is... There's a lot of things that are like a weird... um, uh, proto version basically of a lot of things that ended up in i think you're welcome hollywood um yeah. except that you're welcome hollywood is like it's instead of it's uh it's us creating a narrative from like the point of screenplay writers versus this was like the shit this was a show like this was us in the narrative as performers as actors and that was definitely like a lot harder in some ways it would be fun to go back to doing something like that i think now that we have i think we'd be better at it now too yeah oh yeah way better because i think that some of those episodes are very funny and i think there's some of them that are just like a little rough for sure um they're also like way nastier if you think that this show's nasty i would say super basement is markedly nastier there's there's an
0: unreleased lost episode of super (laughs) basement oh yeah
1: there is uh it it has no post-production done to it it doesn't
0: i i never got around to editing it before we quit doing it but the last one we did though it has us hiking up a mountain. After being at a horse farm, and Ruben <laughs> talks about how he drank all the horse milk,
1: uh, <laughs> and and Ed and Tom were just like Ruben, I don't. That's were, not how horses those, work.
0: Those were male horses, and that, like, it's just and me not knowing. I was going to
1: edit a, a lot of sloshing sounds just from yeah. Ruben's tummy. It was a gross episode. It was, uh, gross. it was pretty funny though. I think that one also had like a stand-up like battle, mm-hmm. I believe, I with think like so. was it the dragon at the top of the mountain or something or whatever it was. Um, it was weird.
0: But then we moved on and did a second podcast called Brown Baggin, which was also a, a video show where uh, Tom Ruben and I would get together in the middle of the day, once a week, and one of us would cook or provide lunch for the other two. Mm-hmm. And we would just sit around and have a conversation about something. And then we would cut that down to like a minute of just like jump cut conversation of the funniest parts, because I don't know if you guys know this, Ed, Tom and Ruben are trying to be very savvy internet content producers sometimes and we were like okay well super basement was too long what if people would like a tiny chopped up youtube show because mm-hmm. that's what a lot of
1: youtube is yep and they're about 10 minutes longer so uh which i think is it was great i i think that there's a lot of stuff that works that way now that's successful um it was really fun i actually liked doing a very simple just talking with people uh or talking with like a two people about topics they gave us shows which was nice yep and then uh we abandoned that
0: because it was too inconvenient for us to all get, we all were working office jobs and like, it was Mm -hmm. impossible for us to get together once a week. Um, so then we were like, okay, podcast number three. Uh, (laughs) we had all been in a show together at dad's called, um, kill the dog, Mm -hmm. which is based on the screenwriting book. Save the cat. See the joke. Get it. Yeah. Um, but if you read that book, you'll realize that every movie is exactly the same and you learn Mm -hmm. to, uh, identify the beats of a movie by this big beat sheet and so we were like well we all learned how to improvise along the save the cat uh manual so why not just do a movie podcast because we know exactly how movie narratives work
1: yeah and that's it's interesting because it's um uh so like it kind of expands on the book right it's it's the idea of the book is like how to make um stereotypical fulfilling narratives uh they i think the book actually goes into detail about how like miscongeniality great movie from a form uh like the way it's created versus like memento people love it but it's a terrible fucking film from a form uh a setup of having a fulfilling narrative that's easy to follow um and yeah we had all been doing that for we've been drilling that basically doing the show so we we're just like let's just do it uh which is funny because i feel like um and we do we do a much simpler version where we just do like a world catalyst decision to
0: act fun and games yep. Dark Knight of the Soul, Bad Guys Close In,
1: New World Order. Like, we do, we do the beats very loosely. This show's way looser because I feel like uh, I feel like doing Kill the Dog, we were keeping in mind, like, what, 9, 12 beats?
0: Um, no, Kill the Dog was, like, 16 beats. Was it's, it 16 beats? It, it's a big
1: beat sheet. And we were hitting every single one of those beats every performance. Like, it was a thing where I think as we were doing scenes, we, it helped us all know, like, okay, cool we all know without telling each other that we're on this beat right now. So we have to move to this next beat. Whereas with this show, it's a lot more, like you said, Ed, it's like we're hitting maybe like we're, we're thinking of like f- the five or six major beats and then just kind of fucking around within them, which half, is why I would say this is like narratively tends to be looser than that show. Was half what. the time. All of Act two is a montage. Yeah. Which is, I think more fun for the way the podcast works. And uh, if we really, really wanted to, um, I'm sure that we could like take a, a day to brush up on those beats again and do one that's like very dedicated to those beats. But it's also just I think not as uh, not as fun in a podcast format to do that. Mm-hmm. It worked well on stage. I've no. But you'll podcast.
0: hear it. This this is a fun thing that'll like much like save the cat ruins movies. This will ruin a little bit of your welcome Hollywood. Is like if you ever hear us use the phrase fun and games, yep. uh, we're referring to save the cat. Like yeah. that, that. that's the one I think we've used the most. Dark Knight of the Soul we've used a couple times as well.
1: Yeah, because there's literal um, like names for these beats, right? And it's uh, it's a really I really recommend if you like if you're a writer, if you're an improviser, if you in any way craft narratives, I think it's a good book to read, but not like worship or prescribe to. No. Um, it'll give you it'll give you a really nice reference for how to simply move a story along in a way that feels organic or fulfilling. Um, which is why it's we use it for this and it, I mean people use the exact same thing with long form improv right Like that's why people fucking worship the Herald for some reason uh, because <laughs> there's the structure built into it well, and
0: that's a, th- a thing a lot of people who don't do improv don't understand is that like a lot of improv does actually have bones under it mm-hmm. where it's like we're improvising along this structure that we've created and all the content is made up but like yeah. the way the show moves forward oh no we planned that out years ago <laughs>
1: It's literally the same as like riding a bike where it's like, you know, you have to put your feet on the pedal. You have to push, you know, where the brakes are. Like, you know, all the components to successfully ride a bike and doing improv, especially long form in that nature. You know, all those things innately. So you stop thinking about them and you just improvise from point to point to point. Mm -hmm. But that's the secret. That's like the 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 magic is gone, but the magic's still there because the magic of improv is discovery. The magic never goes away. Yeah, the magic, like, when you watch Middle Distance Sports the Specials, like, it's very obvious. You can see, like, the bones of what they're doing if you do improv, uh, which there's nothing wrong with because it's how you you make up a story on the spot like that. Um, but the magic is the discovery of just, like, when you truly have those moments of, like, oh, shit, this is going in a direction I didn't expect to to. Um, or someone introduces something and you yes-and-it really hard and you're on a, a different path now. Um, so, yeah, and it was, we also just, we love, me, Ed, and Tom have been working together for 12? How many years? Uh, since 07, pretty much. So 13 years, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we just enjoy working together. Um, yeah, we just and they gave make us a nice reason to do it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, thank you for that. That one's from Spencer Toat, who's had many uh, titles with us. So I'm going to move on um, to how about the, if you had to wear matching outfits whenever you're in public, like your Welcome Hollywood uniform, what would they look like? Ooh. Okay, if Tom Rubin and I had to, like, Let's say we have to um, compromise something about all three styles of the way we dress. Yeah, so that all of us have a little, a little something that we enjoy. So, like, I think it would be like black jeans. I think all of us can wear black jeans. Yes, I think we could
1: all wear black jeans. I think that's the me part of it. Um, black skinnies. I would, yeah, black skinnies for sure. Oh, um, <laughs> usually so thin. You- Usually ripped for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like that uh, that Mighty Boosh episode with the, the skinny uh the skinny legs. <laughs> yeah. Just tiny tiny legs. Um We're all we're all gonna look like Yosemite Sam. I oh jeez. Um that thigh gap. Um I would I would probably insist that we have interesting shoes. Mm yeah. Knowing me, that would be the me kicks, part of it. It's like so I don't like care. But on. Like kicks on point, yeah.
0: Okay. So it's <laughs> yosemite sam black skinny jeans kicks on point and what's the top for tom tom a a very like worn in and comfortable looking
1: t-shirt yeah like a t-shirt that's either like like uh like a nike t-shirt that it looks like his dad owned it before him or like yeah um, or it's patterned with something yeah or has like just a a bunch of bananas or wildlife on it yeah birds Um, we
0: have, we have to have bird shirts.
1: I would wear a bird... I would wear, like, a nice, like, really, like, beautifully detailed, obviously, like, painted art um, style. Uh, uh, I would wear some nature shirts. But usually it's not flat. Usually, like, it is almost... Not tie-dye, but, like, a very heavily colored textured background it's on. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom's, I would Tom's
0: got a lot of what I would call, like, Boy Scout t-shirts. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he does. Just um, like,
0: ooh, it's this like coffee stained looking one with a bird on it. Or God, this yeah. I'm blue textured I, background with a bunch of bears on the front.
1: Give me one with a, a gorgeous heron on it. I'm down. Let's oh, go. Oh, man. Yes. That neck. A majestic
0: heron. Yeah. Also, we have to wear the pants uh, down just a couple inches
1: just for a little neck there, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's my majestic heron. Next <laughs> <All right>. out. <laughs> Okay, hey, sun's, sun's out, trunk's out. Um, talk about the wiener trunk.
0: What's the worst thing about working with Tom Rittenhouse? Uh, <laughs> Wait,
1: who, sorry, second, who asked that question, Tom?
0: I these see these are both from Abby Parker. Oh yeah, yeah thanks, Abby. Uh, well, t- Ruben just called me Tom. So did I? I think you did. Oh boy. Um, the worst thing about working with Tom Rittenhouse, uh, I think it's. I mean, there's nothing bad about working with Tom. He's just he's like the most dedicated and work hardened of us
1: like yeah i would hmm yeah that is i would say that's like the worst part of working with tom rittenhouse is if you if any part of you feels like you're not an adult yet tom will make you feel that even harder (laughs) yeah
0: because he's the most adult
1: by far like like he's just um he's just such an excellent dude who has his shit or at least seemingly has his shit so intensely together. He's the only one of us that will ever have children um because uh, I I know I detest them and I think Ed is on the same page. Oh, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Um I'm an uncle, that's enough. And uh and yeah, it's just like talking to Tom, I'm just like how are you so well adjusted in every way and, and still be a comedian and responsible? Yeah. You don't like how do you not have a crippling problem like the yes. rest of us do? Uh, in the, Uh, in
0: the chat, Perry says
1: that the worst part about working with Tom would be his vegetarian farts. Not untrue. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes it's, is it, can you, I guess you can't call it a beef when it's a vegetarian. When it's a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. He's the the most
0: regular man in show business. (laughs) Um, all right. So from Adam Coker, um, how is our merch coming? Because he wants a nasty hat.
1: Uh, good good, question. um, we, um, hold, you know, what's we have-
0: funny. We were talking about this right before everything went weird. Yeah. We were yeah. talking I- about a merch line right before there was no show to promote.
1: So yeah, my, my ideal situation there would be to either, um, sit down and like illustrator to do a couple more, um, like, uh, uh text ish based designs, but I would also love to like maybe commission a couple artists, to yeah. make some designs as well. I really um, would want
0: one of those like flat brim black hats mm-hmm. with super big puffy letters that just, just says, says nasty Yeah, that which would we be could easy probably to make. Get I, it done.
1: I looked. I looked into it. It's not that hard to get done. It is a little bit pricey. So that that's like one of the main things that we looked at. That was kind of a setback. Was like, okay, if we if we want to have these on hand, uh, we would have to drop a pretty good chunk of money to have some stock for people Um, we could always use something that's like one of those sites where they don't make it until someone orders it but the quality is no good the quality is always iffy um uh it actually it reduces the cut um that we would get when we wouldn't we wouldn't be trying to sell them at like a a big financial game by any means but it drastically reduces that cut i just just want to
0: see people wearing our names on a shirt that's all i want
1: yeah exactly i just want the fame yeah i want the money
0: i live for the applause applause (laughs) applause um, so let's see. Ooh, from Robin Thornett, Who's our dream guest? What has been our favorite episode
1: so far? Um, dream guest. I mean, having Colin McRae on is multiple times at this point is is so fucking wild uh, to me. Yeah, it's been um, so great
0: that he's he's been on our show twice. That is yeah. a dream
1: guest. We've already gotten one. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a dude that I I grew up. I always tell people it's like you know if you're. If you were really into hockey and you grew up like watching Gretzky and then you somehow got into the NHL and you got to play on a team with Gretzky, that's how it feels playing with Colin in a lot of ways where it's like, this was the dude who like gave improv a name in the States in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a household name for improv, which is like not common. No. Um, and it is Colin. It is, it's not common, but it is Colin. <laughs> um, and it's not cholera, but it is common. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's not cholera. <laughs> and it's not that
0: every time i type his name into my phone it says colon
1: yeah uh it's not colonoscopy it's colin um but uh yeah that's i'm trying to think of like a poo besides colin though because he's like such a top tier
0: I, i've been saying it would be great to get one of the mcelroy boys
1: that would be yeah fun. i would take one of the i would take i would take a, a justin or a griffin maybe even a travis um <laughs> oh I, travis you're on thin ice <laughs> I have my preferences based on their comedic chops, personally. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be
0: fun. Also, like maybe getting an actual like film person, like somebody who makes movies, would be really cool.
1: That would be really cool to get like a really good screenwriter on. Would be like a Ryan Johnson type. Oh, what about I mean- like Graham Wagner? Graham Wagner would actually be a feasible thing too. Uh, Graham is a, a friend of ours um, who went on. He wrote for The Office for a minute. Um, he, he writes a bunch of stuff. Writes a bunch of comedy TV, but he was part of Iron Cobra. Yep, uh, great improv team. One of the greatest with, uh, improv duos of the century with Becky, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just very, 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 very funny guy. But uh, um, Ruben, what has been your favorite episode so far? I, I would literally have to look. Uh, my memory is so bad for anything that's like remotely autobiographical. Which the show would be one of those things for me. I, I don't remember any of my life. I, I truly don't. That is, I it's like I, have, it's like
0: I was always just born.
1: I have an okay memory for um, all, all, most things, but like quite truly, my memory of my own life is like. Hyper fractured. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that for reasons I don't want to get into right now. But the other part of it is like, uh, I don't know why. Um, right. So that's actually really hard to think so of. I'm, I'm um, skimming
0: through the, uh, the archives right now. Fuck. Oh, my. so god I. really love that. I
1: just genuinely adore. What was our Christmas one with the box? Lost package. Oh yeah. I really like lost package a lot just because it's such a like, I, I enjoy that. It's like such a blatantly like fuck Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, but still very funny. Um, Blimp Cops is, uh, Oh, the ending of Grundle Dumper. That episode was like, how the good, Grundle Dumper
0: stole Earth Day is one of the like best stories and
1: funniest episodes. The culmination of that, like the last like 20 minutes of Grundle Dumper is just, it's just great.
0: But I, I think like overall the prize has to go to NASCAT, right? Like I do like, NASCAT I think NASCAT we, I think we just hit the top of the mountain with that episode. Uh, NASCAT, sorry, Airbud presents NASCAT colon, A Meowlian Miles, A meownit, A True Christian Tale of Faith and Sport
1: is Uh, probably my favorite episode. Uh, Tempered Steel with Mark Kendall is high on my list.
0: Oh, right. And Matt Horgan was in NASCAT as well. Yes, he was.
1: Yeah, that's a the we started working on the like stage script for that for a while again.
0: Looking at the chat, Perry's asking, "What's that saw type one that's in the raccoon themed Chuck E. Cheese place?" That, that
1: lock in that episode's a fucking mess. Like <laughs> it is funny, but goddamn, it's a, it's such a mess. Lock in is a, a classic.
0: So yeah. we don't have like a favorite episode. We just have like there's bits throughout our uh, throughout our catalog that is just like there are there are episodes that I look back on and just go like. Fuck, that's good.
1: Like, mm-hmm. I I listen to like your moments. show all the time. Like, I go back and listen to episodes at least weekly. Uh, mall Ninjas. I feel like Mall Ninjas is an unsung hero. I think the ending of that episode is fucking great, as well as like a lot of things during it. But the ending is so funny to me. Like the big mall fight is just, just oh the right,
0: what was the big mall fight? What happened in it?
1: Um, it's it's like all the girls from the dojo fight, like doing a huge mall fight. And God, what was it? I can't remember like what wo- I can't remember. Like wood was really important for some reason. Wood, Like they're in a plywood shop in that final fight for part of it or something. Okay. It's a mess. It's, it's great though. It's just so stupid. I, oh, I'll, go back, legs. I'll go back and listen to mighty Robin. legs.
0: Oh, mighty legs with the, the glorious can thick. Yeah. Inspirational horse story. <laughs> so those are some of our favorite episodes, Robin. Um, let's see. another one from Adam. Um, how do you feel about the fact that this show is still going and frankly going quite strong? Uh, it is crazy. This is the longest we've ever held a project together, for sure. Yeah.
1: It's uh, been I mean, it's, almost three years, which is wild. Um, and with with very rarely, I mean, very rarely missing a week. Like um, I, I think, think that, I think we have missed maybe four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. And like obviously, on years? occasion,
0: we'll post a uh, post an old. Uh, thing. We always have something up on Wednesday unless there's like
1: a uh, technical issue with doing so. Yeah. Has it been four times where we just haven't had anything up for the week period? Has yeah. it been that many? There's games? been a few. It's yeah.
0: maybe three or four. Yeah. Um, I, um, I love so that really it's wild. still going. It's crazy to like, it is it is fun to have a creative project that's a, also a habit. Like we do it pretty much at the same time every week. And mm-hmm. now we have to do it at the same time every week because it's on Twitch. Um, yeah.
1: it's so that, It good... just
0: feels cool.
1: That's good advice for you if you are desperately trying to work on something, especially creative and you're having a hard time like sticking to it is schedule it out like it's a thing you have to do. Um, I know for me, I'm really, really bad with self-discipline. So uh, when I have like a thing I have to go to, like if I didn't have dads as a place, I don't know if I ever would have gotten into improv because like it was I signed up for classes and I was paying for them. So it was a place I had to be at every week for a certain amount of time. Um, yeah having like forcing yourself to have a schedule yeah is so so helpful if you're trying to write something like make that a thing on your calendar where it's like a couple days a week you have it blocked out where it's like cool this hour i have to sit down and write even if you write one sentence um like make it a thing you always do at a time and then it'll just become like anything else that you do regularly you just go
0: like oh it's time to do the thing
1: yeah instead of like ugh, uh, i have to do this thing or i'll do it later because if I do it, if I do it later is I code for like, I probably won't do it. Yeah. Like, um, period.
0: We have a, a, an interesting question that I'm excited to answer in the Twitch chat from ImprovMan90, who I believe is Danny Loken.
1: Um, mm, I think so.
0: But uh, he asked, how often pre-lockdown did you guys actually hang out? And when you do, do you talk shop or strictly hang out? The Yeah. Th- we don't hang out together in our free time. It's, no, not really. I've described us as like um, Penn and Teller or mm. like um, Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. Like we are. Well, no, because Adam has strictly said he and Jamie were not friends. <laughs> he said <laughs> they literally never ate a meal alone together, but like their relationship was pretty worky. I think we're more like Penn and Teller where it's like we really like each other and we respect each other's work and we get exactly enough of each other in the time that we do comedy together.
1: Yeah, like it's not for um well look the, the the secret is I don't hang out with anybody. Um that's just yeah, like Ruben I just, just goes home. I just don't. I don't I uh I have enough social anxiety that makes it kind of difficult. And I just don't um I have like a few friends outside of the like my theater group of friends that I see semi frequently, but and I talk to them like most every day. Like we talk pretty mm-hmm. much every day, me, you and Tom. That's and that is mostly we just sticking around. Yeah. yeah. And that's mostly just sticking around and not talking shop. But um Yeah, we yeah, I mean, talk it's... shop
0: when it's like time to work. Generally we're we... just like joking.
1: Yeah, and we all have like lives that have things going on where it's just like frankly the fact that we spend the time together to get the podcast out is like for me it's more than enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Cuz we have a uh, we have a great time while we're recording the podcast and yep. keep in mind like we do hang out for like an hour while we're setting up all the equipment and all that and yes. joking around just trying to sort of warm our brains up. Um, but then after we're done, it's like, OK, that was like three hours of Ed, Tom and Ruben
1: time. And I'll see you guys next time we do a show. <laughs> like, I think if I was like if I like lived alone, like if I wasn't married and if I lived alone, I would probably seek to hang out more. But I'm just like my best friends here. So I don't have a reason to leave or do much. So it's just like. And it's weird. I'm very much a home potty in that way, where I'm just like, well, all my stuff is here, and so is my best friend, so I'm I'm good. This is where all my stuff is. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see. I'm gonna answer one that I've got here in Discord. Um, uh, which, first, which episode
1: deserves a sequel? Ooh. Um. Jeez. Which one? Like, I'm trying to think if we like have an episode that really. Uh, did anything end on a? Cl- oh
0: dunk shots because we set up that there's a dunk shots at three in space. in space
1: yes so dunk shots probably deserves a sequel though no, that's an entire like that's an entire like brand at this point dunk shots is its own beast it, we've de- um, we've decided
0: that it exists in its own parallel universe and we know some things about it but
1: yeah like it, if you're welcome hollywood stopped for some reason i feel like dunk shots would go on <laughs> as, as its own thing it's um, just it's um, just alive yeah it's 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 become its own it's its own mcu is what it is precisely
0: uh this is one back from uh from perry is what are your respective directorial signatures like john woo and his dubs so like what what do we each tend to put into a lot of episodes and she says you can't say sharding.
1: uh no that takes away a lot of options um (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think because I'm actually I'm always really about to answer these type of questions my, because I mine is don't think about smash it. Smash
0: cut to fucking. Like that it's one of yep. my favorite stupid tropes. Mm-hmm. Um and so like I do it sort of in the background of a lot of episodes where it's not like we totally smash cut to people having sex, but like people are always <laughs> but, but you like, will
1: say those words.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will. But <laughs> And we'll see it for at least a minute. And pe- but it's usually like I, I like to add st- ridiculous amounts of sexuality into scenes that do not deserve them.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have a really like a uh, consistent directorial tick. I'm a hundred percent sure that I do. I just don't tend to think about
0: it. Oh, I also like to randomly kill characters. Yes.
1: Yeah. Or at least yeah, try I would say so for
0: sure. Where, like there'll be a pause and I'll just say, and then he shoots him in the head. And sometimes we have to walk it back. <laughs> um,
1: I, I think I probably do have a tick of what, like I think wanting to go back and clean up a thing. Like it Mm. it tends to be very important to me. Like if we go to establish something um, like I almost always either. Okay. Here's two things I do a lot, which are not (laughs) the most conducive for improv and yes ending, but it's like wanting to go back a little bit to like add in a detail that makes something that we just came to feel a little bit more organic. Yeah. Can can we go back
0: 20 minutes, add this detail. So what I just said makes sense.
1: Yes. So I'm I'm a big, uh, I do that a lot as well as, um, un, really unnecessarily describing, uh, like camera shots. Like mm. I definitely do the thing where I'm like, Oh, okay. Like it's going to be like the, the color correction on this is like, I did it in the last episode, I think where I'm yeah. like, there's sort of like a, it's a very blue, right. Almost like intensely, like almost. But it, too intense it
0: creates blue. mental images. You got to give it to that. Like I can and see, I think- um, one of my favorite episodes is Technopolis. And when I listen to that episode, I can see it in
1: my head, which is I know for me, like the way that I think is um, is hyper visual, like the entire time we're doing these movies and talking about it, um, uh, which I know some people like this as well. And some people aren't like I see all of it like I'm always like I, I don't I never I never don't have a really intense mental picture of what we're talking about. I can always like see it very clearly. So I think that's why I'm always like, Oh, it looks, it has to look like this. Um, And I get really excited about it. Which is funny because
0: we, we have sort of a rule that, I mean, it's an internal rule and it's not like anything that we've said, you can't do this, but like you, you'll notice on your welcome Hollywood, we tend not to like cast people in roles. Like we don't tell you this guy is Johnny Depp, um, which some movie podcasts are, are very want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, for some reason just not having real actors like
1: it gives us so much more room and freedom to sort of just like visualize things well for me that's an important thing of like i think it's i think it's more conducive to us just like it being truly to me immersive or like lots of imagination the same way when you see a really like a real movie and they have an actor in it who's like too big of a name and you can't see the character. Cause all you see is the actor. That's a um, huge thing
0: for me is like, I fucking hate I, that. I don't know actors names because I only mm-hmm. remember their characters. Um, unless they are, you know, like a Johnny Depp or something that's like yeah. been in everything. But like, you know, um, this will happen all the time at my house is Perry. I'll mention some actor, uh, and I'll just go like who, and she'll be like, Oh, um, they played so-and-so in that movie. And I was just like, Oh, oh yeah, they're great. Mm hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I think, like, it, it really for me, I think we using a specific actor makes sense if it's, like, a joke. If it's such a funny idea to have that actor be Precisely, that thing, yeah. that's when we use it. And we've um, invented me, an actor. We invented Johnny Pendleton. Who's the fucking hardest-working man in the business. <laughs> yeah, um, that dude's crushing. He's, dude, he's killing it. Um, and for me, Killing Aaron the just, game. Did you just get delivered food? I did just get delivered food, and then I dropped some. Um, Aaron was like, hey, I'm going to make this stuff do you want any? And I was just like, uh, yeah, sure, for sure I do. And then I was like, oh, what fuck, did I'm you get? Um, She just made, uh, she just cooked up some <laughs> chicken cutlet. Or not chicken cutlet, it's fish, uh, like fish uh, uh, filet things. Ah. Yeah, just some oven work. The opposite Nothing of the chicken cutlet.
0: Um, yeah, oh, um, Spencer in the chat asks, um, how did you guys come up with Johnny Pendleton? Where does he mm. first appear?
1: I want to go. Sorry. Sorry. Let me go back to that real question. Let will go back to one more thing about the last question. Um, It's also to me important for us to not like cast often or heavily describe characters because I want, I want them to be what people want them to be. Like I like the idea that anyone can sort of um, like very like frequently we won't even describe how characters look that much because I want it to be open for them to be like different ethnicities based on like who you are or want to identify (laughs) as as a listener. We only
0: make someone a a race or gender or something. If it like, if we feel like it matters.
1: Yeah. And I I think to me, I also, I think that openness is nice in fiction sometimes um, just so that like you can more easily identify with characters or feel represented if that isn't being explicitly done.
0: We also do a lot of uh, explicit representation where like we'll decide, okay, the main character of this movie should be a woman just because we haven't there aren't enough protagonists that are women, right? Like Tom is usually the one to go, like, and it shall be a lady, um, mm-hmm.
1: and yep. we're fine. Yeah, we're that's fine a, that's something thing that we I think we we try to be conscious of, or like having having relationships that aren't just heterosexual and that are like. There's more gay sex in our podcast than, <laughs> <laughs> and like truly, truly they're just to not be a, a punchline either. It's for them to be like actual treated treated the same way as any relationship would be in any movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So, going back to Spencer's question, Johnny Pendleton, where did he come from? Where did he go? The where did he come from, Pendleton. Cotton-Eyed Joe? Um, I like that this um, episode is so casual, Ruben's just eating fish fillets while doing it.
1: I'm just really hungry. Sorry, guys. Um... <laughs> Uh, if, anybody, if
0: anybody if uh, anybody out there knows what was the first episode Johnny Pendleton was in we I know like Jeannie's in the chat she's something of a historian of the podcast
1: where yeah I would say if anyone Jeannie knows um where where
0: did Johnny Pendleton happen um was it it wasn't Bihard don't think. no byhard was like episode two I, he's he hasn't been around that long
1: um was he in Genie's ch- Spies? jimmy's like that's a lot of pressure yeah, you uh have sorry jimmy we're just we're yeah just we're not sad. gonna be upset if you don't know because we don't know we, we've fucking made him uh, um
0: it was he he started as not the character of johnny pendleton he started as just a guy with a really loud voice and an italian accent
1: spencer believes he was in red rocket first Ooh, it could be which should be very early that'd be episode five
0: yeah red rocket uh it might be yeah johnny pendleton might be as old
1: as red rocket which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that means she's Johnny Pendleton is almost three years old.
0: Yeah, he's and he's got his own
1: movie. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he has one about just him. It's wild. Yeah, it's
0: you go back in the archive. It's called the Life and Times of Johnny Pendleton. Um, <laughs> it's the most inside baseball bullshit thing you'll ever hear.
1: God, yeah. What a, what a probably not enjoyable episode if you have not been listening to the podcast.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> Another one from Improv Man ninety. Uh, what kind of improviser would you describe yourselves as, and what kind of improvisers do you like to play with and have on your podcast?
1: Oh, okay. That's a good question.
0: I think the thing about us as improviser, like, I think we all have different like personalities in our improv, right? Like, I like I play super blue, um, mm-hmm. and but also
1: very like wordy. Ed is the fastest and cleverest, for sure. Of group. Um,
0: Ruben is the most concerned with, like, grounding things, and Tom is the most concerned with, like, structure.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair for all of it, for sure. Yeah, because I, I think we tend to, like, talk about, like, um, early on, which I think has changed, actually, quite a bit as this podcast has progressed, but early on we would talk about how, like, um, like Tom was the wild, usually, which I think's changed quite a bit like normally an improv Tom would be the wild. I think Ed, you would be like the keeping shit together. And I would play swing mm-hmm. um, between the two. And that tends to not be the case on the podcast at all.
0: No. Yeah. When we're, when we're doing movies, for some reason, the improv style is very different. But what I do mm-hmm. like is that we, um, we have figured out a way to like feel each other out well enough that there's almost never dead air. Like Ruben mm-hmm. edits the podcast. You rarely have to cut out any space.
1: Yeah, I mean, nine times out of ten, like, when you guys hear the podcast, it's not... If you've been watching these live streams, it's very, very close. Um, You'd be able to hear that. Uh, The podcasts are... God, I'm trying to... Like, really, when I have a lot of editing to do, it's only if there's, like, a technical issue that comes up with, like, audio quality of some sort. Otherwise, I tend not to touch them. Um, I think that, like, could the podcast sound better... Or more polished or can i take out mouth sounds which like a lot of people do sure but i i there's something that i like and i think is more charming or relatable about you guys getting to hear us like struggle you're basically through, like, just hearing a
0: live floor recording yeah
1: yeah like you guys have hearing us struggle having trying to figure out what to do next sometimes when it's not coming as easily um i like that it's honest that way versus it being like so polished just like wow there's no way how are these guys so good it's like well no we're we're good, but it all, it always takes work. Yeah. No matter what. And
0: as far as the type of improvisers that I like to play with, I like people who are well on the show. I like people who go on the attack, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because we've, we've had guests. Sometimes where like, we're having, we're trying to like pull them to talk. um, Whereas the three of us are just like slamming words in anytime. There's a half second of, of airtime it's like one of us needs to start talking because this is a podcast and you don't want to listen to nothing
1: yeah that's almost always a setup we give people is like hey like we know that you're a guest so you might feel like you should sit back don't because, we, we say do not be polite yes because if you do that like we and we could do a better job of like trying to leave open space for people but especially with this like i think on stage that's easier in audio format like you you can't unless i'm gonna cut out a lot of us like leaving room for people um so you just have to attack which is always nice for us i want i want to feel like they're they're as uh uh contributing as much and as sort of like hype as we are which is that's a big ask because we are um it's hard to get a word in with us for sure oh yeah we are
0: quite uh i think we (laughs) to some improvisers we would be extremely annoying Mm -hmm. um but to us we're hilarious
1: um, as far as on stage, I just like, I like working with the that are considerate. That's my main thing. Like, I don't, even if you're like, if you're not that funny, you're still figuring it out. If you're a considerate player that tries to look at what a scene needs versus what you want to do, that's like one of my favorite things because it means that you're you're working with me and then I can help set you up and vice versa. Um, I don't need you to get up there and be like, this is the me show because that doesn't help anyone. It sucks.
0: Yeah. The, be- the best feeling in improv is when you tee ball up Something mm-hmm. for someone else to knock out of the park.
1: Oh, totally. Because it's like, it's that nice thing where you you did the magic of communicating without having to say it plainly. Like you kind of like yeah, secretly communicating. You're
0: telling them, here is the thing I want you to say next. W- yeah. Without saying that.
1: Yep. And when someone, like, gets on that same wavelength, that's, like, to me, one of the best feelings in improv is for everyone to go, oh, cool, we're all right here on the same page and know what has to happen. And And so when it does, you're all rushing into it together.
0: And I think Tom Rubin and I really have that. Like, we can all read each other's mental tee-ups really well. Um, And especially doing a podcast, because sometimes, like, we'll we'll be doing a scene and Tom will, like raise his eyebrows and point around as he's saying something as if like, this is very important. <laughs> and then like have one of us, uh, take the, take the next part of it. We, and we've all done that where we're like hand gesturing to each other where it's like, here, take this or like, you know, um, so it's really fun. Um, let's see, I'm looking for more questions here. Um, Ooh, this is a good question. Is there a point where you think you would move on or stop doing your welcome Hollywood? Um I think if it became impossible to do so, Yeah. That that would be um something
1: I, I can't imagine though. We've we've becomes. just learned that we can do it
0: from home, so it's not exactly like difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean there's 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 an aspect of it like I've been uh Aaron and I have been trying to move out of Atlanta for a while now now until uh, things keep, life things keep coming up that get in the way. Um, But at at some point I a hundred percent do plan on leaving Georgia. Um, And I was like, well, that, the, one of the things I'll miss is dads. Uh, That'll be like the main thing I miss about Georgia is like dads and the people at dads. Um, But like the internet exists and doing this during this pandemic has been no different than if one of us lived somewhere else. So it's like, uh, we're good to keep doing it. Like I would, I would love to um, honestly, if, if the only thing I feel like that would really stop it is if we just kind of all fall out of love with it. If we I don't.
0: Yeah. If, if we all got bored, I guess, but like, you know, we're improvising, uh, we're improvisers and we're improvising. This is just the medium in which we're doing it, which is like, there's literally endless
1: possibilities to fuck around with. Or if it got really popular and we got famous and then like, and something one, better of came like along. Developed, one of us developed a drug habit. I don't know. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, that would probably stop like, it.
1: Yeah, it would crash and burn if we got too big maybe. Um, I would love – that's like the one thing I do want for the podcast is I think we've, we've been doing it long enough now. We have enough episodes and I think it's good enough that like I'm like chomping at the bit to get like a bigger listenership or to get more people uh, checking it out at like a, a scale that we could maybe make a little bit of money doing it. Um Yeah, not to make a lot of money. It would be nice to like pay to have like standardized equipment across the board for all of us Mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. Um,
0: That leads me to our next question, which is uh, if you could have one of the movies that we've pitched made into a feature length film, which Uh one
1: would you want it to be? Who? God, uh, I feel like I would want to pick something that feels like tight.
0: Yeah, I mean, the weird thing is, like, one of the best stories we've ever told is Barokin, which is the first episode of the
1: podcast.
0: Yes, it is. The, um, first, the first out of 130-whatever is also, probably I think the best has,
1: story. Like, I think it was also a time when we were, we were probably, like, much more intensely adhering to the full uh, Kill the Dog structure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also, like, Barokin has that hook of it being, like, uh, historical. So people love that shit right now. Um, uh, I was actually, uh, a couple of years ago at Dad's, I pitched doing a uh, scripted version for stage where you turned it into a full-blown mm-hmm. musical, um, which I, th- I still think would be very funny. Um,
0: yeah, if I wanted to see a spectacle, I mean, like, buy hard would be really cool because you get the big die hard building. I'm, I'm again, looking through the archive while I'm...
1: Um, I think Blimp Cops would 100% work as, like, a... Uh, like a, uh, uh, the, who's the guy who did, um, Will Ferrell's comedies for a while. I um, don't know. Uh, yeah, but that, that guy, like his, uh, Apatow. I feel like Apatow would do like mm. a Blimp Cops for sure. Dude, one of the times I've laughed the
0: hardest listening to the mm-hmm. podcast is in the beginning of Blimp Cops, um, when... There's been this giant shootout at a warehouse and the guy's firing his partner's his dead partner's gun into the air, screaming his name, and you just say, and then the title appears. Blimp cops. (laughs) It's
1: it's like it's such a we open that we Every time I hear
0: that, I go back and I I like hit the 20 seconds back button and listen to it ten
1: times. We we open it up we open up that movie so intensely and so like not really comedy driven. Um, which is why I think that that that's such a sudden moment.
0: inclusion of comedy just destroy. <laughs> it, it's the build tension and break it thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just super fun. Yeah, uh, um, like that was God. I'm just
0: remembering it now. And I'm, as soon as this is over, I'm gonna go listen to it again.
1: Yeah, I think Blimp Cops would actually probably be pretty easy to adapt. Um, because it was also like it wasn't overly complicated. It's nope. a really basic, easy format it has a very um, hot,
0: uh, Man-on-man sex scene in the back of a blimp.
1: Which, you know what? That's like, we've seen Pineapple Express and stuff in that vein, but we haven't seen, like, the queer version. So I'm just like, get it out there, guys.
0: Gay Pineapple Express.
1: Yeah. Gay Apple Express. I love it. Um,
0: Here's a question from the chat from Sakura Steakhouse, which is uh, our buddy Hayato. Um, any advice for newer improvisers trying to get more established like you guys? Now, we should say we are not particularly established in the world of improv.
1: <laughs> yeah, it depends on what you mean by established. For
0: I, I think like, yeah, we've been, we've been popular at a few festivals. I think people in Atlanta
1: know us. Um, but so just caveat that we're not that fucking big a deal. Yeah, some people in Atlanta know us and like a couple people in a couple Canadian places know us. Yeah. <laughs> and otherwise, we're like not on the radar remotely.
0: Um But what I would say um, for improvisers trying to, like, tune up their skills, because there's another uh, question in the comments right now, which is any tips for trying to improve your improv technique Uh, from Spencer, which is, um, I think, like, number one is the thing that teachers always say, reps, right? Like, just improvise as much as you can, as long as you can, um, and suck at it and fail and bomb terribly in front of audiences for you know, a matter of several years. But, um, what I would say about like trying to establish yourself as an improviser is have a show, like have a thing you do because I see so much improv. That's just like, I don't know, like the same version of genre stuff where it'll be like, it's the improvised Western or the whatever. And like, that's a format, but it's not a show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just just do. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. I would actually say, like, but make it, it simple. It
0: should feel like you're you're there and you know what you're doing and you're presenting it well,
1: right? Yeah, because when we first started, it was just Ed, Tom, and Ruben present Ruben Ed, and Tom, which was just like, hey, this show is basically like we're all really good friends. You are our friend too. We're just like the, to the do audience, it,
0: but like that had a conceit: we're all friends. This is a show about friendship. But we we would start with a monologue, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I just like my thing about improv is I want improv shows to feel like shows like you should have a good go song. You should have uh, t- tell your tech improviser about light cues if you mm-hmm. are in a venue that you can do that with.
1: Um, yeah. Or just like play around with things that you've never seen before and you think would be fun. Like Theater of the Mind was very popular. Um, <laughs> the stupidest show the we've
0: st- ever done. And it's probably the one that people like the most.
1: Yeah. And it's it's like. So many things about that show are terrible. Like theater of the mind from an improv perspective in so many ways is bad. Um, It works because I think that when you have your foundations really, really good and like by that, I mean suck at improv for three or four years because improv is a marathon for sure. till you have like really strong foundations so you can do any improv show anywhere, no matter with anybody and you're going to be fine. Um, Have that under your belt. And then you can do stuff where you, you're doing, I mean, what is essentially bad improv. Because so much of that show is us doing what is quote unquote structurally bad the theater,
0: improv. Theater Theatre of the Mind, if, if you haven't seen it, by the way, Theatre of the Mind is a show where Tom Rubin and I wear matching black turtlenecks and berets and do stupid experimental art theater improvised. Um, it has led to some incredible moments and some really shitty ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like it was, it was a joke. Ruben and I made it up in the lobby at Dad's after a show.
1: It was like a 15-minute riff in the lobby. It was
0: just a bit about like, what if it was, oh, in the theater of the mind, anything is possible. And then we decided to do it two weeks later on Mm -hmm. stage. And it's like, now whenever that show happens, it's like one of the things people come to see (laughs) if they know it's happening. And I'm just like, why do we have to keep doing this stupid joke that we never intended to do more than once? But it's
1: fun. Also do shit that you really want to do. Like that's it was that was the thing is like it was a dumb like do stuff that you would want to see or that makes you laugh because obviously mm-hmm. it was a dumb funny bit that we were just fucking around with that we thought was really funny. And so we're like, let's just do it then. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't.
0: That is sort of like, I mean, as a team, that's our entire MO is like when we're on stage, it's all about like, I'm going to try and entertain myself and you guys. Yeah. And the, if the audience thinks the same things are funny, then they'll come along
1: with us. Improv is such an intensely raw comedic format that I think, for the most part, um, how you're feeling is really, really obvious on stage. I think it's really obvious. I think it, it comes across, unless you're very, very, if you're a psychopath or just really good at hiding it, um, I think the audience can clock where you're at very easily. So if you concentrate on just having a good time and making each other laugh, most likely the idea is the audience will come along with that because you're seeing that you're having a good time. I
0: will also temper that with a little bit of like something I think about a lot is I think Mm -hmm. a lot of improvisers don't consider the audience enough. Sure. Um, This is sort of a contradiction, but improv is full of contradictions. Um, Mm -hmm. As my, my favorite improv quote is from Joe bill. He says uh, like any question about improv, the answer to that begins with it depends. Yep. (laughs) Um, So, there, I was listening to an interview with uh, a stand up that I really like last week. It was Daniel Sloss, who is a Scottish uh, stand up comedian. And if you haven't listened to him, go. he's got two specials on Netflix and they're incredible. And a new one on HBO that's very uncomfortable, but also incredible. Um, and he was talking about how American comedians do not fear their audience enough. Like, you can just go up and just be like, hey, I'm just me doing me and whatever. I'm going to talk about whatever and stupid like because the audience will not turn on them Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas in britain like they will boo you off stage if you suck for even 30 seconds yeah Um, and i think that a lot of improvisers um don't take into account enough the fact that i mean look some improvisers don't consider themselves entertainers i do Mm. i think that like i'm i'm a showman i'm a comedian i'm an improviser like i want to put on a show for people that they like um and so part of the like you know getting yourself established is to do a show people want to see rather than just like some like formless beige paste of a montage all the time
1: yeah yeah i mean i think it's yeah exactly like you're saying like the contradiction of that is um it should be a thing that you do for fun and that you're interested in doing and that you enjoy but also, like, be careful of being self-indulgent. I think that's been a thing that we've we had to fight for a while. I think we're much better at it now, mm-hmm. um, though. I think it's very easy for us to slip back into it if we don't have tabs on it. Um, but yeah, because if you're being self-indulgent, exactly what you're saying, Ed, is like you just forget about the audience or you stop considering them. And I, I am, I am all for art and what you doing being an expression of what you want to do and like your artistic uh, fulfillment and integrity, but if people are coming to pay to see your show, they came to pay to see your show. So give them a good show. Um, and that's, that's to me the, the part of like, you're a showman, like be entertaining. Don't just get up there and take a complete piss. Um, yeah. Even, even us doing a format that is about taking a piss on shows that just go up there and take a piss doing <laughs> yeah. theater with <for> the mind. <laughs> Cause that is literally what it is. It is like, it is being so frustrated by hyper self-indulgent capital a art. So we made a format that takes a piss on that. And It is it is uh, that format. We try to kind of be true to what the thing we're making fun of is. And so it's like it's antagonistic to the audience, but it's so obvious that that's like the joke and that they're in on it with us. Um, And I think we make sure that we we kind of like take their hand and like bring them along into that joke and into that world, even if they've never really seen that sort of stuff. So it's still fun. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I theater of the minds. Great. I love it. Um, We're getting toward the end of the show, but I have an idea, Ruben, for how to end this. Sure. Because Jeannie was asking, uh, why wasn't this just Ed and Ruben make an anime?
1: And will that happen? It would be insufferable, but yes. Um,
0: (laughs) We can certainly do it. But what I want to do is a quick challenge. Let's try and come up with the premise for an anime in like five minutes. Okay. Just to end this thing. So we need to choose a genre first
1: yeah is it shonen is it shoujo is it, like is, what's a is big robot like, yeah. is it yeah Romance. um yeah i fucking hate i hate isekai so much um for the most part <laughs> so what i got hit by a truck and now i'm in medieval times well it's just because they're all the fucking same for the most part like if you give me an isekai where something different is happening i'm, 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 I'm on board but um it's always like I, I was a shut-in in the real world but now i'm the most powerful man ever and i have a harem and it's just wish fulfillment um oh yeah it's <laughs> great Okay, uh, uh, we're getting uh, big robot romance. Big robot yes. romance. I'm, um, dude. Yes, 100. Okay. percent Give me like shojo mecha because I never get to see that. Shojo
0: mecha would be great. Okay, so it's a, a world. Why are there giant robots?
1: Is it for defense from something? Is it? Well, so it would be like for me, like shojo mecha. Like, do you do you do you combine the two as far as like? Because yeah, usually giant robots. So, Is like, it the robots at, like... that are in love? <laughs> Oh, I like, so we are, is it the robots in love? Uh, uh Okay, wait. Okay, this is, here's an idea. So yeah, let's take a show that's very, uh, uh, if it was very like, like Gundam, like kind of almost hard military in some ways. Right. But the robots I pilot have AIs, like you sync with your AI, right? And they're an extension of you, but those robots sort have of Pacific AIs Pacific Rim like, where
0: you like merge with the robot. Uh, yeah but the, I want I world. want the robots
1: to also have uh, for this to work like they have their own personality to some degree um, if you've played Titanfall that would be a good actual example yeah. of this um, so the idea of like these soldiers on opposite sides of the war but their robots fall in love and oh so the robots won't fight each other yeah there's like a hesitancy of the robots fighting each other even though the pi- and like because of the robots falling in love uh, from these pilots like these pilots have to begrudgingly I think then kind of like figure out their shit maybe they fall in maybe love they maybe have they, to they figure. don't
0: so it's about two pilots of robots uh-huh. that are in love
1: conspiring
0: uh-huh. to find a way to end the war so their yes. robots can be together
1: a hundred percent because they realize uh this is a if you've ever watched uh so i think gundam uh it was ms83 i think is what the one thing i know and i've looked it up now uh which is a great one of the best if you're gonna watch gundam and you just want to watch a little bit of gundam um 0083 is perfect for it uh god which one is it anyway but yes like take it, the idea that there's this war that's happening and we get these people from opposite sides realizing that like the war should stop because like i think you would have to add in like a third party a secret cabal that's actually orchestrating all of the war for like oh like shadow economic, yeah yeah some sort of like economic or whatever benefit and they realize it and so they have to work together to like blow the lid off this conspiracy off of the people while the robots the are war while the robots are just railing each other. And it's not easy to do it in secret because they're 50 feet tall. <laughs> oh, I mean, it involves nuclear reactors. It's very loud. Yeah, there are ports and smoke. Oh, the concussive damage of just one thrust <laughs> could take out a small town. It's it's yeah. a lot. They have
0: to go out into the ocean to to do it.
1: I like that these robots have to have, like, pretty normal, like, have to, like, have uh, the the mechanics of, like, almost human sex, even though it makes no sense. No, they feel nothing. They feel nothing, but they still enter each other. Yeah,
0: they've just, it's what they know. Um, I feel like that <laughs> concept's got about, like, I'm going to say three seasons
1: in it. Oh, I mean, I th- yeah, I think three seasons is, like, yeah, because there's, there's enough time to do enough, like, uh... Uh, enough of like the political intrigue back season one forward. is world building right? yeah and then i think we we don't even like introduce that cabal to like maybe the end of season one and then season two is all about like the fight to take uh, the the plan to take
0: them down and then season mm-hmm. three is the action to take them down
1: yeah season two i think is maybe uh the two characters slowly building um like their rebellion mm-hmm. um and maybe like whatever something obviously so these robots that are in love obviously something happens in a fight that like takes off their like emotion limiters right and that's like how they fall in love yeah exactly like there's something there's something with these robots that keep them from being truly human or the ai just
0: happens to learn
1: at that moment how to love yeah exactly um and so like it's it's a liberation of all these robots and then it's also liberation of these peoples um yeah, season two is building the, like, the, the coalition, and then season three is, like, taking down the big shadow government, for sure. Yeah. Um, eighth MS Team is the Gundam I was thinking of, mm. which, if you've never watched Gundam and you want, like, a really, really good uh, idea of what Gundam is about, um, Eighth MS Team is awesome. Very little of it is in space. It's almost all in South America. Um, it's dope as hell, though. It's so good. Nice. Well, that's it. We made an anime in five minutes. And it's pretty good. I think that sounds great, are
0: Also, are, you, are you wearing your Nanachi shirt?
1: Right now. I am wearing my, my Maiden Abyss. I,
0: I think today. I'm going to order that one. And we're going to end up being twinsies by accident at some point.
1: Anime twin shirts. Anime twin shirts. Love that Nanachi. She is sad. <laughs> She's very sad. Everything in that world is sad. Extremely sad.
0: Especially in where we're at in the manga right now. Things are about to get really interesting for Nanachi. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um mm-hmm. So, that's thank you guys so much for coming tonight and listening to us just sort of like... Riff about bullshit. Um, yeah. We thank you for your questions. I hope the answers were interesting in some way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I think it's a hopefully uh, uh, good for behind the scenes as well as some like practical improv advice there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: well, thank you
0: so much for listening to your
1: Welcome Hollywood this week. Of course, you can always
0: find us on social media as Ed Tom and Ruben. Except for Instagram, where we are Your Welcome Hollywood. Ruben is spelled R-U-E-B-E-N. Um, Mm -hmm. Please like and subscribe to the podcast itself. If you're just watching us on Twitch, then please uh, go to iTunes or Spotify or whatever and uh, get on there and subscribe and give us the highest rating you think we deserve. It just got just got posted in the chat. There, fun fact: there is a mineral called coming tonight.
1: <laughs> which which the the mod for chat was like no, and I was like yes, <laughs> and allowed it. <laughs> I'm overriding the night bot. Yeah. Um, we also have
0: a few things coming up on the Dad's Garage Twitch. So tomorrow night at 8:30, we have booze clues trivia with Perry Frost, as always. Tomorrow night, I believe, is cartoon themed booze clues. Ooh. So if you are a cartoon nerd, come and lose to me. Um, as I Damn, destroy come for the every throne, said it, Morgan. Um, Thursday at 8 here we have Cage Match which is we have two filmed improv sets from previous shows uh, we're going to put them up back to back and you guys choose which one you like better and they win um, mm-hmm. on Friday we have Lunchtime with Lucky at 1 o'clock and we have special guest from Archer, the voice of Cheryl Carroll Judy Greer mm-hmm. which is going to be very cool, very exciting um, hopefully she won't be sniffing glue During the lunch, but no way to know. Uh, And at 8 p.m. we are rebroadcasting a really weird scripted show we did back in the day called Dementia Juice. Yeah, it's uh, Tom
1: Rittenhouse, is in it?
0: Tommy's in it, Perry's in it, Lucky's in it, Amber's in it. I'm in it. I was the puppeteer, and I got to uh, puppeteer a giant dick flower every night that had a pneumatic hose going into it that sprayed plant jizz everywhere. Yeah, And uh, a, a cop with a bug head that shot himself... With a gun. Yeah, Some just because kind of I'm coming tonight action. Yeah. Um, it was a fucking trip. If you haven't seen Dementia Juice, you should watch it this Friday night today because. It's a big fever dream and it's great. Yeah, it's a big dumb fever dream of a show. Spoiler Tom gets swallowed by a toilet
1: during it. The most technically challenging thing ever done at Dad's garage. That toilet. From what I understand. Yeah. yeah. A toilet completely made out of rubber. Yeah
0: yeah so um that's what we got going on this week um guys thank you so much as always for joining us for your welcome hollywood and we will see you next week we promise with an actual movie this has been your welcome hollywood with ed tom and Ruben. for more go to edtomandrubin.com and